People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. Lot to get into this week. I missed you so much. So much went on. I mean, I bet you were not expected to come back to a Carl Lindsay breakup. You know, I wasn't, but here we are. Here we are. Okay. I don't know how you guys felt. To me, yes, this is crazy, but also the rollout was crazy because last week, at least from our perspective, it was like, we were hearing rumblings. We were getting texts. It was something that was being discussed in group chats, but there was zero confirmation. And then all of a sudden, Thursday at 9.30 a.m., ET reports, Summerhouse stars Carl Radke and Lindsay Hubbard call off engagement. It says, the Summerhouse couple has called off their engagement and it was all caught on camera. Quote, the two were set to get married in November, but Carl told Lindsay he couldn't move forward with the wedding. The breakup was filmed and will most likely play out on the next season of Summerhouse. Multiple sources tell ET. And that's when it was like, okay, this is legit. Like everything we heard was factually true. And not only is it true, it's also was filmed. And then the first kind of confirmation we get from a fellow cast member is on Monday with this comment from Danielle. I mean, that's still the only confirmation. Like they haven't posted anything or made any comments. Everything we've heard has been through the press, except this comment, which to me is the biggest confirmation of it all. So basically Queens of Bravo posted a video clip from the Sex and the City movie. I'm sure you've all seen it and know it backwards and forwards, but it's when Carrie is running to big in the limo when he didn't show up at the wedding and she's smashing her bouquet of flowers and runs into Charlotte's arms and Charlotte yells for big to stay away. And it says this scene is now so Lindsay Carl Danielle coded. And Danielle comments, just call me Charlotte from now on. In like 30 seconds, we need to discuss that at length. I just want to say the one other update, which was on Tuesday from Us Weekly, quote, Lindsay was 100% blindsided by the engagement being called off, but it was a long time coming for Carl, a source exclusively told Us Weekly. He wasn't in this relationship emotionally for a while. Holy shit, what is this season going to bring? I mean, what I can't get over that I've seen a lot online and we've heard from people is that the... season had wrapped. Whatever happened, happened throughout the summer, but that he sat her down to have this conversation and called producers to come and film it. Which is very Kyle and Mauricio coded as well as Vanderpump coded. Why Kyle and Mauricio? Remember cameras were down. Oh yes. Well, to bring back the cameras, but for him to bring them back. 
No, I I know. Okay. I have like 18,000 thoughts on this. First of all, can we just talk about Danielle for a second? The Danielle of it all, although it's obviously not the focus, is just such an interesting element because of what they went through and that it was about all of this. And I'm just happy that at the end of the day, the love was really, truly still there even through all the bullshit because now Lindsay's going to need her. And I'm glad that before this happened, like it's not like this tragedy is bringing them together. I think that they have had a really good summer as friends. And then this is the moment where it's like, okay, Danielle is going to show the fuck up because she's your best friend and knows you so well. And even though you maybe had a weird year, at the end of the day, that's like your ride or die. Well, listen, obviously when this first happened after the initial shock and like your heart going out to both of them, the thought being a Summer House viewer is like, holy shit, what is Danielle thinking? And does she feel validated? Because naturally, I mean, she was the one that was kind of blowing the whistle for this whole thing. The thing to note, or at least where I'm choosing to look at this is like, not to say there isn't some level of validation there, but I have to believe that first and foremost comes just like her truly feeling for her friend. Because regardless of how you feel about Lindsay, by no means am I a diehard Lindsay Hubbard fan. Like this must be devastating for her. This is a woman who was 100% certain that she found her person. Not to say that he wasn't, but she was in a different way. Like if you're asking me, she knew it was Carl way before he knew that it was her. I think there was always something in the back of her mind. And so like, I just cannot imagine how settled she must have felt and then how rocked she must have felt in the immediate aftermath. And you're right. That is probably a time when Danielle is the exact person and type of person that she needs to lean on the most. I just like actually can't imagine what's going on in all of their group chats right now. You know, it's funny. I'm my my memory of how this rolled out and my thought process is so hazy because I was simultaneously dealing, I say dealing, even though it has nothing to do with me, with Sophie and Joe, which like was also a similar way of like these crumbs being laid and trying to figure out what was real or not and then getting an actual announcement. But Sophie and Joe posted a statement. We still, as of Wednesday night, have not heard anything from either Carl or Lindsay. I've seen a bunch of blinds and gossip saying they ran into Carl or this is what people are saying, but we have not heard anything directly from them. And I don't know if we will, how we will, what kind of footage we're going to get. Like, I just, the contrast of last season, it being all about them and their love and their love being so overpowering and taking over and changing them to what this season will become is like very sad and dark. You're right that it's kind of crazy that we got a statement from both Joe and Sophie and videos of Kylie and Timothy making out at Beyonce's <laughs> birthday concert before we got any sort of a statement from Lindsay and Carl. That feels backwards. I, it does. It's for two very public, outspoken people. This Danielle comment on a somewhat innocent meme is like all that we have to grasp onto. No, that I, I just... Okay, you know how like in the beginning... I, a lot of us, not everyone, there have were people that were diehard Lindsay and Carl from the beginning. But in the initial, you know, it took us a minute to warm up to them, right? It was kind of like, what is this energy? We felt it on Winter House, we felt it on Summer House. And then where I think we landed towards the end of the season or even mid-season was like, listen, we don't entirely get it, but like they seem to be really fucking happy. And if they're really happy, they've known each other for forever. Like, let them be happy, let them exist, let it be a little cringy and like, let go, let God. And that's really where I felt because it was so easy. They gave you so much content to like 
be a hater for, that it was so easy to be a hater, but it was also so easy to just like say, fuck it. You know what? If this is, if this is what's working for you guys, it's working for you guys. And I, I, I don't go <laughs> not back. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. Like exactly. I, I felt like head down watching summer house, not my circus, not my monkeys. I promise I will never have to say babe this many times to my significant other, but like if they so you choose do to do you, it, babe. you exactly, exactly. And like now here I am, I don't mean to be saying we're rethinking every single thing and rewatching, but it's like those emotions that you really suppressed in the act of trying to be a supporter, they, they start to come up a little. And I don't, I mean that in like the least malicious way ever, because I genuinely, my heart is like breaking for her because I think she is probably so fucking blindsided from what we've heard, but also just how I envision this going down that like, I, I, I don't know. It just, it's a lot to process to me. It's like a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And also, lest we not forget, just circling back to Danielle, she also went through a super duper breakup last year. They weren't engaged, but like they almost were. They were living together. They were building a life together. So now the two of them have gone through these huge heartbreaks and breakups with people that they thought that they were going to spend the rest of their lives with. I think that this is, it. if nothing else, it's all terrible, but it it will hopefully be a happy ending for the two of them. And thank God that they have each other. This is just like, this is a really big deal. Like, what does this look like? Do they have a bad season on Summer House where they're fighting and it's like, will they, won't they? Will it be edited like that? I just, I don't I don't know how this will play out, but the fact that we are going to have footage of the actual moment that he breaks it off with her is, it's it's wild to me. It's so wild. I can't. It's like, there's a part of me that that when I first read that, I'm like, wow, I cannot believe that he would do that on camera. And I then say, you know, it's one of those things I think you have to try to not personalize of like, they understand their craft in a way that has merged with their own real lives that I actually don't even know if I think that Lindsay would be pissed that he did it on camera. I actually could see they're a part of Lindsay being happy of like, at least if we're doing this, let's fucking show it all. Well, yeah, I feel like it gives her an opportunity and opens the door to like now say, what an asshole, you had to bring cameras in, you're breaking off our engagement, you had to have the cameras, like no matter how she feels about it, regardless, it'll be her angle for sure. Like if if I know one thing about Lindsay Hubbard is that she's gonna have an angle. So maybe that'll be it. It just like feels, I don't know, I just like, I guess I couldn't picture Carl doing that, but then at the end of the day, you think on his history and how long he's been on the show and like kind of how much he loves it. And it does make sense. It's just like also that it was a week after they already wrapped filming and he had them come back. It's not like they were in the house or still filming and it happened to happen that way. Like, I wonder why, why a week later, what was the decision? I saw people posting about that they were booking rooms to go to Mexico for the wedding. So like there was a cancellation fee and they were fighting about certain things. But I just, same way I feel about Joe and Sophie, Joe in the middle of his tour. Why now? As Elle would say, why this sperm? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, fuck, I don't know. I mean, the wedding was supposed to be what? November 17th in Mexico. It's not like we're talking about a wedding that was in February, that was in March. We are literally two and a half less months away from them tying the knot. And I just cannot imagine that immediate aftermath. I really can. And I also have to wonder, you know, when this source says 
he wasn't in the relationship emotionally for a while. What does that mean? What does that look like? Is that something that if we didn't know what ended up happening, we would be able to watch the show and then trace that back? I have to also wonder, you know, with Carl being very committed to his sobriety and uh, initially, you know, Lindsay joining him on, on that journey and then deciding that she was going to reintroduce alcohol into her own life, which of course I entirely support. I wonder if that was something that contributed in that maybe Carl felt as though he realized that he did need to be with a partner that was entirely sober. And that was an unfair expectation to put on her when, you know, it's not something she felt she needed to do for herself. Like my mind is just running. The one thing I feel like a hundred percent confident about is that this was not an infidelity situation. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think we would know about that and it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards for them. I'm just thinking about my friends that are like getting married that same weekend that they would have been getting married. And if they called off their engagement now, by the way, all the power to them. If it's not right, don't walk down the aisle, but just like how soon it is and how I am so not in those real life relationships, but I feel so invested in Lindsay and Carl's that it's, on such a bigger platform, it I just like the people in their life must be absolutely freaking out. Oh, imagine the phone call to his mom that he, I'm sure, talked it through with her previously. By the way, let's not forget the fact that they live together in that, as Danielle reminded us, very expensive apartment. Like, there's so many logistics they have to figure out, not to mention the fact that they are part of the same cast of a show that is their primary source of income. What does that look like? I mean, there is. To say there's a lot to talk about here is just an understatement. And honestly, even if I'm not the biggest fan of either of them, like I feel for both of them because this is not fucking easy. Well, what does it look like now when they have to film all their confessionals from the entire season reflecting back on when they were a couple? Like Lindsay's going to have to sit in the confessional and say, Carl and I are so excited. We're in the car going to the Hamptons and I get this call. Like, as if nothing ever happened, reflecting on history, which I think oh. is hard for a lot of people all the time, but your engagement is broken off. They're going to have to sit at a reunion. That is not normal. No, and the rest of the cast is really going to have to walk that delicate balance of like not wanting to just lean so heavy into the energy of, I told you so. Like that is so easy to default to, but I think that they will at least attempt to not lead with that given the gravity of the situation. Exactly. I don't know, you guys. We were shook by this one, and obviously we will keep you posted, but that was nuts. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 
Salt Lake City is back in a big way. Like the, the best way that I can describe the way I felt watching this was it was just a treat. It was such a treat. I mean, we see Meredith and Whitney fighting over comments that Whitney made about Meredith being in her bathtub and Meredith being offended that she would dare think her bathtub was dirty. This is this is what dreams are made of. I'm sorry, but the Monica edition is huge. Do you guys realize basically what happened is Jen Shaw goes to prison and they replace her spot with a woman who served as a, a federal witness? She was like Jen's fake steward assistant when she needed help and got all the dirt, all of Jen's side of the story on everybody. And now is coming in the group and taking over Jen's spot. Like POV or Jen Shaw in prison. And you see that this woman who basically ratted you out is now coming for your snowflake. Not even coming for her. She took it. She's got it. She snatched it right out of your hands. Oh my God. She's like literally on the snowmobile. It's just, what's so nuts is when she says in her confessional, one night Jen said to me, do you want to be rich? Do you want to make 600 K a year? All you have to do is put this and this in your name. I remember being so weirded out. Like, wait, what? It was very bizarre. So I have a friend in the secret service and I called him and he said, get the fuck away from Jen Shaw. She's going to prison and she was arrested two months later. And that is how he became a witness in the federal government in her trial. Like, I am sorry. What a fucking way to come into this season. Has there ever been a stronger intro and a background story than that? I think not. Like that was giving the people what they want. Also, what I thought was so hilarious was when she was saying, you know, she's spoken to Lisa a lot, just in a totally different capacity. Because when she was, as you said, Jen's pseudo assistant, Lisa was constantly calling Jen and Jen would hand her the phone because she didn't feel like talking to Lisa. And as she said, Lisa could be talking for two hours without her ever noticing that you weren't paying attention. And so she really had this role of kind of like entertaining, appeasing, whatever you want to call it, Lisa. And now she's entering the group in a capacity where she's perceived as Lisa's like equal. Whereas I think from Lisa's eyes previously, she was someone who worked for Jen. It wasn't someone that she directly would be friends with. So for all of them, it's like a, a bit of a reorientation. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's so much juicier than just she was some woman who was a witness in the trial and knew the ins and outs of the business. She knows these women from the lens of Jen Shaw, which obviously is a quite untrustworthy narrator and a skewed view of these women at, you know, as they really are. So now Monica has to almost unlearn everything she learned from Jen or see how right or wrong she was and see how these women treat her. Like she says, Jen never said anything nice about Heather, which like that sucks. But now if her and Heather become good friends, she's like, what was Jen talking about? You know, like it's going to be so just like she isn't coming in with a fresh perspective on these women, which a lot of times they don't, but hers is so specifically skewed that I think that will be like really fun for us to unpack as we see her make like bonds with these women. Well, totally. And the other thing kind of just from the viewer perspective is like, to be clear, there's no part of me that wishes Jen was in this season. She did a terrible crime and she is now serving the punishment as a result of that. However, objectively speaking, like she's a large presence on a show like Salt Lake City. And so it's not that I want them to spend all of their time talking about her. There are so many other things to cover. However, when you are admittedly missing that little hit of Jen Shaw, and obviously it's not going to be her, nor do you want it to be her. This is kind of second best. It's someone that can talk about her in 
potentially even more of a knowledgeable way than any of the rest of them and potentially give some additional dirt that they didn't even know. Like from the viewer perspective, it's the perfect transition. Well, I also think Monica has a gen adjacent personality where she's like not going to be a wallflower. She's not afraid to speak her mind. And like, that is what we needed in the group in Jen's absence. But I just hope that they don't revolve a lot of the season about Jen or talking about Jen or like what she did to them or what she did and her legal. Like, I think it'll be a little bit in the beginning and we'll move forward, but the Monica part will stay like because she'll always be linked back to Jen. But I just like hate when they keep talking about people that aren't there and not can't defend themselves, but like can't contribute to the conversation. It's like, all right, we know Jen's in prison. She's doing a play about housewives and writing these notes and journal entries. And that's where she's going to be. I mean, talk about people that have reemerged. Mary motherfucking Cosby. Oh my, she is so back. Like you forget. Like I almost forgot and thought that everything that I ever heard her say or thought she said was like a fever dream that I hallucinated. And then she comes right back and Heather's talking about her book and she's like, well, nobody's going to read that. Or she doesn't know if her son who lives at her house is married or just dating a girl. I'm like, you can't literally the best, most creative writer could never make this shit up. No, no, no. Mary Cosby is in a category of her own because she truly, a lot of housewives will say it, but they don't really internalize it. She deeply internalizes the belief of, I do not give a fuck. And and the way that she operates through that group with giving not one fuck is so something we are not used to. And it is so fucking entertaining. But here's the thing. There's not giving a fuck. And then there's having the most just outlandish thoughts and like saying your stream of consciousness as things come to your mind. And she gives us that. And not only does she give us that in a public space around people and friends, she gives it to us on camera. So finding someone like her is just, it's, it's the jackpot. And I make so much sense that they brought her back because she gives us a level of entertainment that I just think is unattainable for anybody else. Well, and the other thing is that she really keeps these women on their toes. You know, I think sometimes, let's say they're going into an event or they're going into a party and they know that a conflict is going to arise. You can kind of plan how you're going to play it. With Mary Cosby, you don't have that benefit if you're her opponent. You don't know how to plan what's going to happen because you don't know what's going to happen. And so she just she just brings an energy that I, I can't really imagine someone replicating. I mean, what about that string of nasty texts she sent to Lisa Barlow? Like there's nasty and then there's calling her tequila poison. You know, like she's just she's so damn creative. But even Lisa is like kind of laughing as she's reading those. Do yeah. you know, like that is such a unique spot to be in that you can text all of that to Lisa Barlow and have her honestly recount it rather comically in a confessional. Like if that was anyone else, forget it. Forget it. No, I know. It's just something about something about Mary. <laughs> the Lisa, the Lisa Meredith conversation, brief, obviously, but Meredith kind of saying that, you know, she wanted to have a private one-on-one time made me excited for what's to come because honestly, I know we got some of the best content from their fight. However, if I'm choosing them together is like some of my favorites. Yeah. I, again, it's a premiere episode. And aside from Monica, we're just kind of getting back to where all these people were and what they're doing, where they're standing and revamping the relationships. But 
I, yeah, I'm hopeful because I think Meredith saying, I want to set us up for success was an incredible way to put it of like, let's learn from our mistakes and let's set our intentions and set us up so that we don't fall back into those same ways. Because I think at the end of the day, they have a mutual understanding that maybe they won't be the best of friends as they were, but they do both have the urge to be on good terms and get along and like laugh and do things the way that they did because being enemies is not enjoyable for either of them. But also for Lisa to say, you know, I knew she missed me, which whether or not that's the case, I think that Lisa two seasons ago or whatever would not have envisioned this interaction to go down like this because there was a while there where it was Lisa that was deeply desperate for Meredith's friendship and approval. And I'm not saying that Meredith is desperate, but in this scene, we see her kind of, I guess you could call it extending an olive branch a little bit. And I just, previously, that was not the case. Right. Yeah. I think it shows growth and also just like where her head's at in terms of their relationship. Yeah. This is a good one. I'm in. I'm I'm excited to be excited about Salt Lake because there was a point there where it was really fucking dark. And I'm hesitant to say we're back, but it looks like we may be back. I'm hopeful that we're going to have almost an OC kind of season where the dust has settled and we can sort of just like enjoy it and there will be some drama. I mean, that preview of Heather getting the phone call, like shit's going to go down. But I think maybe we have cleared the air a little bit and that they've also learned like how to be housewives. Okay, if I'm being honest, OC is my favorite franchise on the air right now. Wait, me too. I was sad when the episode was over. We watch so much Housewives, like so many hours of Housewives that I'm never happy when it's over, but like, I'm like, okay, that felt like 45 minutes. When this week's episode was over, I was like, I need more. I feel so in it for some reason this season, and I'm really trying to figure out exactly why, even though I can't... Dan, pretty much the whole way she's handling this, there's something about Tamar being there that just legitimizes it for me in terms of the depth and the history of the relationships, the preview of Vicky popping in, the fact that, I mean, all of their frustrations with each other for the most part are valid and are built on history and are not, in my opinion at least, completely contrived for the sake of entertainment, even if some of the alcohol consumption is riling them up to an extent that they wouldn't be otherwise. Like, I am just so here for it. And honestly, my biggest takeaway, not only from this episode, but kind of from this season thus far is like, I swear to God, as objectively as I possibly can be, because I recognize, yes, we have a have developed like a a personal relationship with Heather Dubrow. I truly feel like she is coming out so on top here. It's like everyone is just coming for her. And it's, it's not only unwarranted or like not entirely warranted in most cases, it's inaccurate. Like she is not the person that you should be mad at. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief 
from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Oh my God, I don't know where to begin. I think this season of OC is so enjoyable because we care about all of the players individually. They did an incredible job with casting Jen. Plus, we have Tamara and Taylor, two people we've cared about for a long time and have nostalgia with. Then there's glamour. There's also drama, but it's not like so deep and dark that you don't want to think about it or talk about it. And it's just, it's funny and it's good and we laugh. But with Heather, I think the first thing that came to my mind when you just said that actually was how I felt the women were treating Jenna on this week's New York. In terms of like, they find something, they pick on it. There's a different standard. There's maybe, I, I don't know, like there's just something there and it's just completely inaccurate. And like, there's no reason for them to be ganging up on her or going so hard on her. Like, especially I was kind of disappointed at Emily this week. Like I felt like their friendship was so much stronger than her getting that annoyed about a comment that she made about someone else talking shit about her. It wasn't even that she is talking shit. She was annoyed that Heather wouldn't repeat it and had just brought it up in the first place, which like, is that annoying? Yeah. It's like when someone says, oh, I was going to tell you something, but like, never mind. So I got her frustration, but it, her anger was just going in the complete wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, okay, hold on. What about Emily at the event? Oh, Emma was not okay. No, no, Emma was laughing so hard. Like, I think specifically, like, the cucumber part, was that what got you? She's just like, no, the, what got me was when Gina was like, Emily, like, you could tell, you know, when you're in a situation like that and you are the middle person where, like, you feel personally responsible for someone else's actions, even though it technically is not a representation of you, but the person that, is watching is literally right there. So like you have to do both of trying to handle the situation at hand while also not making a scene to the person, AKA the Heather Dubrow. Like I, I don't know, something just came over me and I was 
hysterically laughing. Yeah. And I think because Heather felt that there was some negative energy there, like some of the comments were funny and Heather can totally take a joke. And if it had stayed lighthearted and buzzed, I don't think Heather would have gone upset, but it was then when it started going below the belt and making comments about the event that they were literally sitting in the middle of and Heather had worked so hard and was so proud of. I got it. I got why she was sad. And then I was also sad when it came to a head in Mexico and the way that that played out. I think that with Heather, at least what I'm feeling is that it's kind of like damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. And specifically with a situation like Emily at that event, what's unfortunately happened for Heather is that she has now either created this reputation or been given this reputation by the other women of like, she's above it. And so in a situation like that, where I think her disapproving of Emily's behavior is entirely warranted, it naturally will fall under the category of "Mm, Heather just is constantly looking down on everyone. And God forbid, we're not fancy enough for Miss Dubrow's party. It's like, no, when you're sitting at someone's event, you don't actively shit on the event while being drunk. Like I just, I, I, I can't not be on Heather's side for that. And she, I actually thought she handled it pretty well. The other thing, which I hate to say this, like I, I really, really hate using this because most of the time I find that it's a cop-out, but I really believe there's a lot of jealousy at hand here. You know, when people say, oh, they're just jealous, they're just jealous. I'm not saying that that is entirely the reason that some of the women are having this kind of negative reaction to Heather this season, but like, I certainly think there's a bit of jealousy at play because the two most solid things in her life, which are her marriage and her finances are two things that many of these women at various times and some of them currently are struggling with. So I I don't, I hate using feeling like that's a card, but I I do kind of feel that it's happening there. Also, just thinking about it for a second, the irony is it's Heather may not have actually made that comment and she might've said, Tamra instead of Shannon. And it was sort of a throwaway comment that Gina was like, yeah, I was there, but it wasn't that big of a deal. So again, Emily is now angry at Heather when she really should be mad at whoever was talking shit about her. But I do think jealousy plays a big role in this, but I think also Heather has like this persona or this stereotype that has been built around her that is just so easy for them to play into. Like, it's almost a caricature of herself, which like some of it's true, some of it's not. And it's like blown out of proportion versions of things that are true about Heather. But they're just able to then put anything that they think about her or negativity into that box. You know what I mean? Yes. They just can like chalk it up to that. And Heather's like, well, no, I really am caring. I didn't want to brag. And I did. I mean, look, obviously Heather has her things and there's of course, truth to a lot of it, but like, I just think it's like such an easy shot for them. But okay, let's just take the house example for a second with the damn if she does, damn if she doesn't. Anything else aside, if it wasn't a $55 million sale, based on the way this group is treating her this season, I completely understand not wanting to actively share that and feeling as though that's something that she wanted to keep a little bit more private. And anytime any of them are coming down on her for that, that's not even something that I personally, you know, want to give life to. But let's say the actual price. If she were to have come to them and said, guys, I have very exciting news. Terry and I closed on the house. We weren't thinking about selling it, but Josh Altman called us up out of the blue and we sold it for $55 million. We don't know where we're going, but we're really excited about this next adventure. Every single one of their confessionals would have been something wildly shady. 
Even if they expressed happiness and excitement to her face, they all would have turned around and either talked shit about it from the perspective of like, wow, she's so out of touch or talk shit about the way that she presented it to them as a group. Like, what, she's just going to have us all around and cheers to her $55 million sale. Meanwhile, here I am trying to get the money to send my kids to college. Like, I, I can't envision a world in which any of them, that, that one was about Shannon, but any of them are entirely overwhelmingly full body happy for her. And this was something that she's entirely full body, overwhelmingly happy for. I think she has every right to want to protect that. I, I'm sorry, I do. And also then now on the flip side, her not telling them, they're mad. You said you share everything. And she's like, well, I had an NDA and this and that. And like, they're going to take anything she says and run with the pretentious fancy pants narrative. So I get it. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. But that's just like a smaller example of literally everything she does. So you're mad that she keeps things like in the quote vault as a good friend, but you're also mad that she won't tell you, which is it? Right. And oh my God, I, I don't know. This one really pissed me off. Also, by the way, here you are as Heather watching Tamara go and share with everyone what Shannon, who objectively Shannon is closer to Tamara than Heather is to Tamara at this time, what Shannon said. So why, if I'm Heather, am I going to tell any of them, specifically someone like a Tamara, who I know is just sharing other people's information? I, I, I don't know. It really put a bad taste in my mouth. And by the way, like when, when they were at the pumpkin patch and... <laughs> Sorry, when they were at the pumpkin patch. But when they were <laughs> when they were at the pumpkin patch, like, and and they're recalling the CPS thing. You know, this is the moment where I feel like, and this I think we said this Heather on the episode. It just feels like Jen is a little bit too nice for this crew. Of like, it, I think there was no world in which she thought that sharing that with Tamara or anyone else would ever end up in people accusing her of lying. Like, where would she ever have created that out of? Yet somehow the whole thing gets twisted as though he or she is as the villain. And it's it's like, I don't know, to me, I don't know if it's just that she's a rookie housewife and she hasn't learned the game yet, or she's just like generally kinder than most of the rest of them. But I was really picking up on that as well. Yeah, like how would she make that up? And also she doesn't know that that's like a sore spot for Gina and something that Gina's been annoyed with for years that Shannon keeps bringing it up, changing the story and, you know, exaggerating it more and more every time she tells it. Like how the hell would Jen know that? I like Jen because she's pure and nice, but she's so interesting. And like, it's all about her choices and her decisions. And like, you know, she's a good person. And I think she actually really does want to do the right thing. She's not a shady pot stir, but like she is still additive, which is such a delicate balance that not many people can strike. And by the way, even though I'm not a fan of Ryan, I'm loving watching him integrate with her family. Like, get, yes, give me a Jen's mom, Ryan interrogation. I'm not bored by that scene at all. No, because he sits down and he's like, yes, I did cheat on her. You know, like that's what I want to see on my TV shows. I don't need to see nice guy beats the mom. Oh, we're a loving family, happily ever after. Like, yeah, great. Love it once in a while. But like, I need something to keep me awake. I just feel like she is really having such an internal conflict about whether or not she feels secure in this relationship and she wants to feel it. Like you can tell she really loves him and there is so much there, but you can tell there's something inside of her where she just doesn't feel entirely safe. I don't know if it's just, you know, the the one infidelity. I don't know if it's his past, if it's a combination, if it's some other things, whatever is going on, I can tell she's so 
like conflicted over it in the point where even she's expressed multiple times she wants people that are close to her to meet him to see if she's evaluating him fairly, which like, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting the people that are closest to you and have known you for the longest time to meet your partner and have a more objective perspective. But I do think it's potentially a slight bit of an issue if you're looking for them for confirmation that you are making the right decision, because that should be a conclusion you are able to come to within yourself and then maybe enjoy or celebrate them also enjoying this person. But I, I, I'm like, I want you to know it's okay if for whatever reason, even if you can't put words to it, you don't feel entirely right about this. I think she really feels and clings on to the high highs. And then when there are low moments or moments of doubt, she reverts back to those highs and how he makes her feel and like tries to brush everything else under the rug. And like, that's a very dangerous pattern to fall into. And also the whole thing about not wanting to get married because then he feels trapped. Like that will stick with me forever. And that should be the biggest red flag for any of her friends. But again, not my circus, not my monkeys. Do what makes you happy. I I also, the preview of them saying like, you ripped your family apart for this guy. Like shit's going down in Mexico. I know. And Vicky's coming. Dear God, we're... We're in for a ride. Yeah, we are in for a ride. This is going to be a wild one. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Okay, couple things that I want to mention, Atlanta and New York. I cannot stand Ralph. I think, I think Drew's full of shit, but I cannot stand Ralph. 
obviously we can't sit. I've never been able to stand Ralph and it just gets worse and worse. He's the fucking worst. He's like so unbearable and you can tell that he really feels like he is doing something here. It's so annoying. Like he just has this like air about him. It's infuriating. I need him to be done. Like, honestly, keep Drew around. I think she's a good housewife. She's interesting. She brings drama, but I'm done with Ralph. Yes, it was fascinating at first. And like, I loved to hate him, but now I'm, I never want him on my screen. I don't want him to be famous. And I just, I need him out of here, but also I want the tea first. I want the tea first. I know. It's just like, he's the kind of guy that I think has such an ego and such an inflated sense of self that he really can fall into that trap of like any attention is good attention, even if people are, you know, talking shit about him or if the feedback he's getting is not the most positive. And so it just runs the risk that the the more exposure he gets throughout all of this, even if the feedback is negative, that that still kind of like inflates his ego because you can just tell he's that kind of guy. He truly believes he can do no wrong. And I actually kind of believe he's the type of guy that believes most men can do no wrong because women can just never understand. For sure. That's the vibe. He's like a great A misogynist. Yes. I mean, I'm sure he's loving or loved and now is re-soaking up the whole narrative that he beat Drew to getting the divorce papers in and that it was a race. Like he loves it. He loves all of it, but I can't, I just like, I can't give him the limelight. No, no. I know it wasn't this week in the reunion, but something that we didn't get to talk about last week was like the end of the finale episode when it cuts to the producer saying, all right, what what's the deal here? Something's going on. What have you been hiding from us? And it also cuts to all the women finding out about the divorce. Like, I loved seeing that. Listen, obviously every circumstance, whether it's a divorce or a breakup or some sort of business transaction or a legal situation... The circumstances are unique, but like that style of watching the other housewives find out about a real life event happening in one of the other housewives events from the press on air, it, it doesn't get old. It's it's no different than never. Being in, it's no different than being in La Quinta when it was the LA Times or whatever that article was dropped. Right. No different than on OC this week. Them all finding out about the sale of the Dubrow house. Like. There's just something about that because you remember what it was like for you when you saw that news for the first time. And then it's like, oh shit, they were processing this as well. Right. Like in real time this weekend, when I was reading about Carl and Lindsay, I'm picturing that scene of Summer House when it's like, I was in shock. We just left the house, like what they're all going to say. And I know that that's probably exactly what's being filmed as we speak. Yeah, no, that is the type of content that doesn't get old. Also, also the She News brochures. I want a copy. That better be a BravoCon like Andy promised because I got I got to read some stuff. I got some reading to do. <laughs> I'm loving BravoCon being a thing that is now so commonly mentioned. Like even yeah. Emily says it in OC. Andy says it on the reunion. Like it's it makes me feel like they can infuse it into the show without it being considered a fourth wall break necessarily. Right, because they still say when we were in New York instead of saying at the reunion, but they right. can say BravoCon because so much shit goes down at BravoCon. Oh my God. And this year we're going to Vegas, baby. Uh, Oh God. You guys are going to follow along. It's going to be such a ride. That is going to be a ride. That that post-Vegas episode is going to be a good one. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited. (laughs) So in terms of New York this week, how you feeling? Um, I feel like my feelings are changing. 
and I guess not changing as they are being more fully formed because I think it was like the beginning of the season is almost like you're dating someone, like you're seeing the best parts of them. You're seeing that you're learning about them and you're putting all these pieces together and anything you don't know about them, you're sort of filling in the gaps and stalking their Instagram. But now we're like seeing some true colors and really understanding who these women are. Because when you look back at someone like a Ramona or anybody we've been watching for years and years, like a Nini even, a Portia, I felt like I knew them so deeply that I could predict how they'd react, what they would say, what's going to go down, like what's this side of their personality, what triggers them the most. We don't know any of that about these women. So now I feel like the pieces are being filled in. So like, for example, I didn't peg Erin as the kind of girl to take that comment that Jenna made about not wanting to fly first class somewhat jokingly and spin it in such a negative mean girl bitchy way to make a comment to the whole group and then get everybody all riled up so that when Jenna arrived, it was not into the warmest welcome. Like that was not what I had on my plate, especially given how I thought Aaron and Jenna's relationship was playing out. So again, just small things, but like, I feel like we're certainly have entered the ride. I also wasn't anticipating, and I'm not critiquing her for this necessarily, like it's her reaction, but wasn't expecting Aaron to have that reaction to Bryn's comments to Abe at the party. Obviously it wasn't the classiest thing I've ever seen, but I just feel like it's so on brand with Bryn. And if you're Aaron, you've been describing Bryn as exactly that. So it was confusing to me why that felt so shocking. I guess like someone must have gotten in her ear that it was like really bad, but I feel like she knows Bryn. And I feel like Aaron has a good sense of humor that that wouldn't bother her. Like, obviously she's not serious. You know, I felt like it was almost, God, I have a lot of relations this week, but I felt like it was how Heather felt at her luncheon. Like your emotions are so heightened when it's your event that you care a lot about. And you're sort of looking around, making sure everyone's respecting it and as excited as you and so happy. And it's all about you. And like when they're not, it's disappointing and annoying. So like, I felt like that was what was happening is like, she cared so much about this and anyone coming in and being anything but perfection like hurts double. Like if it's someone else's event and she made some like flirty comment to Abe, I do not think Erin would have ever cared. Totally. I think one of my thought was like, just wait till you see the footage. Because if you think that's bad, they were talking up a fucking storm during the speeches <laughs> slash vows, right? I mean, let this be a PSA. No one wants to listen to more than one or two speeches. And if they're speeches, they better be good ones. So I want to talk about this, Jenna situation because I feel that it is multi-layered. And I also was happy that there was another thing going on in this episode that made me have a perspective that wasn't the overwhelming one I've been having, which is like, I am pretty all in team Jenna. If we're choosing, that's kind of the side I'm leaning on. However, one thing I do want to know before getting into that point of being in more support of her was like, when Sai was talking about the constant branded gifts and the collabs that yes, were gifts, but also potentially had an ulterior motive. I understood that. I understand from Jenna's perspective, potentially it's strategic, but it is also generous. And it's not as though they're not receiving the gifts, but if I'm them, I can understand potentially having a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. So I didn't think that that particular criticism was unwarranted criticism. So it was happy because I was like, am I just so obsessed with Jenna Lyons that I won't be able to see any negative. And then I that happened and I was like, no, I can understand where they're coming from. <laughs> Wait, I just, I my thought process though was like when I watched this back to back with OC was like, 
Okay, yeah. It's a fair criticism. Like it is a true observation. Maybe the gifts that she gives you are with brands that she collaborates with. But then like on OC, like Shannon is saying that CPS almost came for Gina's kid. So it's like, you know, I don't feel that bad. If that's the worst thing you have to say about Jenna Lyons, like so be it. Oh my God, a thousand percent in the scheme of things. I'm just saying for my own personal barometer, like I was like realizing the intensity of the girl crush I have on her and being like, will I be able to you know, at all see someone else's perspective. And I was glad that I was able to, because sometimes it happens with housewives where you get just like really fucking yeah, biased. Lost in the sauce. Totally. In terms of this, the Anguilla thing with the flight and all of it, I am 100% unapologetically on her side for multiple reasons. First of all, it is not her fault that they all have this complex about her being better than above it in a different league. Whether or not that is factually the case, that's on every individual person to decide whether that is the case for them. That's not her problem. It's not her problem that she is overwhelmingly successful, that she is deeply cool, that she is very well connected, that she has all of these perks for a career that she worked very hard for and paved a lot of paths in her journey of doing so. And if all of that has gotten her to a point where if she wants to, she can afford to fly business class instead of coach, not that there's anything wrong with flying coach specifically on a short flight, but if she wants to do that and no one else has to pay or suffer in any capacity for her doing so, let her be it. That is the money she's worked hard to make. And to me, there is absolutely nothing wrong with going away that you feel more comfortable, even if you run the risk of appearing better than. That That's number one. Like Whatever is your most comfortable travel experience, as long as you can afford it and you're not imposing on anyone else, fucking go for it. It's not like she was coming a day later because of the business class thing. Maybe that would have been a different situation. That's thing number one. Thing number two, For her to share something as personal as the genetic condition she suffers from and that causing her such insecurity to the point where she is constantly covered up and really has deep anxiety around showing areas of her skin and knows she is going to a warmer climate where she does not want to be hot and wants to do the thing that makes her feel better, aka getting a little bit of a tan, you will never ever see me criticizing someone for that. And I felt that the way that they handled that so insensitively because they were so focused coming from, again, I use the word jealousy because that's really where I think it's coming from. And like this fear of being inferior to her, that leading the charge about the business class thing, instead of understanding what she was saying, which was like a very intimate personal thing and trying to be her most comfortable. I was so turned off by it. I thought it was really gross the way that they handled it. And I am 100% on her side. Amen. I got nothing else to add. That was exactly how I felt. Fuck that. Like, fuck that. I really hate that. Here's the thing. The outcome can be the same of like, Jenna didn't fly with you. She flew first class. But the way it's handled is everything. She didn't come to the group and they were talking about flights. And she says, well, I don't fly coach ever. So I refuse and I'm throwing a stink and we all have to leave this day. And you all like, the end result could still be her flying first. And the way they handled it, you would think that that's how she handled it. She did not say a word. Same way that she left Aaron's house. Nobody else's problem. I'm going to do me. You guys do you. This is my level of comfort and what will make me be able to be on this trip, which they're so concerned about her coming on and being on and that she's never been on a girl's trip and blah, blah, blah. Like Those are her small things that she needs to do that have zero effect on anybody else. Like, don't weaponize that against her. It was just like such a not nice girls, girls thing to do, especially after Jenna opened up about it to Erin and like not about the flight. Again, not about the flight, about wanting to go early, wanting to be comfortable, wanting to get a tan, how that would then have a domino effect on how she would enjoy the rest of the trip. Like it just was, it was not nice. 
My whole thing is like, if you are going to be in a location with a person for an extended period of time, don't you want them to enter as their best self, meaning internally, like feeling the best about themselves? Because typically when people are the happiest and feel the best about themselves, you are going to get the best version of them in terms of how they are with you. So if going a few days early and getting a tan and getting herself settled made her more comfortable, thus making her more enjoyable presence to be around, why wouldn't you be nothing but supportive of that? It was so fucked up. Like, I I don't know. I'm just such a believer of like, everyone should 100%, as long as it is not making anyone else suffer, everyone should do whatever they want and what they can do to make themselves the most comfortable. And I just support her entirely in that really. And also, by the way, like, She's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't, because she admitted to Aaron the the real reason. No, she wasn't parading that around the group, but if she never said that to Aaron and then it later came out that that was part of the reason, the first class thing, like they would have weaponized that against her. There was no right way to do it. And it's not her problem that they have this complex about her. And I thought that was really fucked up. And by the way, Bryn, who I really actually enjoy, when she said, you know, if I looked like you and she responds, that's a cop-out, it's not a cop-out. And how dare you say that it is a cop-out? How dare you undermine and invalidate the very real insecurity she's feeling about herself just because you view her in a different light than she may view herself. Just because to you, she is this Jenna Lyons, you know, holier than thou, unbelievable presence, which I understand, like she's a very impressive person. She's allowed to still feel a certain way about herself. Your view of her does not dictate her view of herself with a condition that has nothing to do with the reasons that you view her so positively. It was so wrong. Yeah. And saying like, oh, just get a spray tan. Like you you don't know. You can't, you can't decide what people need. No, exactly. You cannot decide what is important for someone else to make them comfortable. And I just like, you know, it's like, even think about it, even like, I feel like I always say that to you, like if we travel or something, it's like, if, or even me and you, when we were in LA, it's like everyone else, I want, we want you to do what you do, have your best morning. We are personally getting up and going to Pilates. That is our plan. That's what's going to make us <laughs> Wait, happy. Emma is so Jenna Lyons coded because she will say to Julie and I, like, I'm personally gonna <laughs> go to Pilates and walk to get a coffee. And we're like, okay, well, Obviously, we also want to do that, but like she doesn't impose it on us, but she tells us her personal plan. (laughs) And then we sort of are like, okay, well, I personally am going to take a shower. (laughs) Like we speak, we We do very Jenna Lyons coded. Jenna Lyons should have said to Erin in bed, I personally (laughs) am going to fly business class on Thursday and you all coming on Saturday. And I personally am going to lay on the beach and get color. And then I personally will take my little car over to the villa and join you on the trip. Yes. And Aaron could have said, great, great. Have I'm personally going to be in coach. That, I, the funniest thing was at my birthday last year when like everyone was all together and realized that I do that like <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> They're like, wait, she hits you, you with personally too. You, you say to like a room of 10 people, like I'm personally going on a walk. Or like, we're like, okay, are you inviting us? Like, what? <laughs> like all right, see ya. <laughs> I always want the expectation. You are more than welcome to come, but it is not at all required, but I'm also not adjusting my plan. Right. And I just really live by that. Like everyone should be happy. (laughs) But the problem is once we start saying it, like it really sticks, including things that have nothing like that don't need to be personal. Like we'll be sitting at like the gate and you're like, okay, I'm personally going to go get a water bottle and go to the bathroom. And we're like, (laughs) great, live your life, girl. 
Oh my god. All oh right. my god. Well, I'm personally exhausted, so yes. I'm gonna end this episode. <laughs> you live your truth, do what you gotta do, but personally I think we're signing off for this week. <laughs> no no, no I'm, I'm aligned. I'm aligned. You guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this, and we'll see you later.